0: Hello, Key Searchers, and welcome to all the newcomers out there. Welcome once again to another edition of The Secret Podcast. This is a special birthday edition of the podcast. No, it's not our birthday. It's Byron Price's birthday. He would have been 65 years old today on April 11th. In the spirit of his birthday and for the newcomers who are being born into the world of the secret this year, we've decided to do an episode which gives examples of how to interpret the puzzle, what different methods to use, and how to create a hypothesis for a solution. We are going to do that by example, using the combination of image 6 and verse 9, commonly thought to be St. Augustine, Florida. And who better to have on as our special guest, other than our co-host and St. Augustine native, my good friend George. So let's have a quick recap on how to begin the puzzle, shall we? Try to keep all of this in mind. They are simple rules, but it actually took quite a few people a long time to figure these things out. The images all provide the location of a city by giving longitude and latitude coordinates, except for one but that's a whole nother episode. This is your first mini-puzzle. You must figure out what North American cities these are in. It's been found out that most of the images contain longitude-latitude numbers to pinpoint a city. Now, once you have the city, the next thing you need is to figure out which verse goes with that city. And it's been shown there are a couple of methods for doing this. The puzzle gets a little harder, you see. One method is for the verse to have a line referencing something inside of the image, such as seek the columns for the search, or the land by the window. Other ways are to make a statement about a well-known thing or person in that city, some place or someone you would know or learn about as you did some research on the city, such as invoking the Mitchell family in Milwaukee, or the precocious use of the word twain in the verse we commonly associate with San Francisco. Yet another way, an even harder way, he gives you to match up verse to city is by using literary references from books, sometimes quoted word for word, like two different verses which quote the same book abroad in America word for word. By doing this now, he's also showing you methods of giving out clues. So to recap, the image gives you the city. The city, or a link to the image, matches the verse up, but you have to research a little deeper into the city's history sometimes to make the connections. Now you can use the two things, verse and image, in tandem. Now you have to find a place in the city where the cask is buried. Classically, it's been said to look for public parks. However, we believe you should be looking for what was considered a public area back in 1981. And we will get to that with George here in a bit. So not to spoil things, going forward, because all of the clues are in there if you know how to look for them. We will get on with welcoming George and talking about image six, verse nine. Welcome, George, to the show. Uh, I'm not going to start this episode by talking about the weather. We do that every time. Let's just jump right into it. Seriously, we're in the middle of a
1: flash flood. It's the only interesting weather we have, and you don't want to talk about the weather.
0: Now, George, before we get down to it, you have an open letter from John Fraser, the proprietor of the Fountain of Youth, to read to our listening public, don't you?
1: I do. I met with John Fraser and I asked him if he wanted to send a message to the hunters out there because they're having so many problems at the Fountain of Youth with illegal digging. But he wanted to make it clear that they do allow digging if you go through the proper channels, and he wanted us to sort of put this message out there. He said, without question, the area by the exit is the most violated area of the park probably because it is very accessible, dark, and an easy drop for our intrepid author. Every week I find holes in the ground in that area, from the green picket fence to the Menendez statue, and from the wall to the wood fence south of the ticket office. We've counted hundreds of holes, examined some areas of actual shovel-in-the-ground digging, repaired broken sprinkler pipes, replanted trampled flowers, and incurred other unnecessary maladies. We noticed the discussions in the chat rooms and have had to make adjustments to slow down this illicit activity. We now pay a night watchman to live on the property and make rounds, as well as increase our lighting and signage. While this may not deter the most ardent of treasure hunters, it will make it easier to make a trespassing conviction stick in the event someone is caught. I need you and anyone who would consider digging here to understand that this is a state and federally recognized historic site. We have two Florida historic markers and are listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Other designations are forthcoming. Further, there are hundreds of Native Americans buried here. It was by accident that discovered the first one in 1934. Although this event added much to our understanding of history and changed the course of the park, I do not want another accident. Thus, the reason we check with archaeologists first. And have a member of our park staff or me accompany an explorer. To date, I have personally presided over 11 independent probing sessions which turned into 3 or 4 actual digs, the most famous of which is the one done by Brian Zen on Expedition Unknown. If someone out there has a well thought out hypothesis and would like the opportunity to investigate it legally, then they may send me a letter here at the park or come by and leave a message with the ticket office greeter. Although I have entertained some pretty creative ideas in the past, I would prefer not to waste my time on just hunches. The number of requests to probe and the number of visitors coming here out of curiosity has increased substantially since the TV show. I ask everyone to respect the property and the process. Thank you, John Fraser. And he listed the address as Fountain of Youth Archaeological Park, 11 Magnolia Avenue, St. Augustine, Florida, 32084.
0: You can go there and talk to the man Send him a letter. We'll post the address on the Facebook page as well. And that's the secret podcast on Facebook. I think he's being more than reasonable considering some of the places that have been being a little overprotective of their parks and areas after the episode of Expedition Unknown aired.
1: Yeah, I think the difference between John and everybody else is John's actually kind of excited about this. He's excited about his family being included in such a hunt. He's naturally inquisitive, and he he really wants to help solve the puzzle. He's very helpful if you just go and ask questions. He'll sit down with you, answer anything uh, you need to know. He'll go through your solve with you. He'll tell you if you're wrong about where things were in the park. He's really good about that. So if you just contact him and go through his really, really simple process, uh, it'll make your life a lot easier in regards to the Fountain of Youth.
0: He seems to know a lot of history about where things were and where they've been moved to, and uh, he is a wealth of information, that guy. So let's talk about St. Augustine for a bit. For the people who are just getting going on the puzzle, let's run through this particular matchup of image and verse, typically referred to as St. Augustine. So the longitude and latitude lines for St. Augustine are 29.9 or 30 and 81.3, which could be 81 or 82. Do we have these numbers on the image, and where are they? We have 29 and 82.
1: 82 is directly in the center of the image, pretty much in the center of the painting. Uh, 29 is down in the grass. So, yeah, we have that. People have sort of read them as, you know, 24 and 82 or 24 and 21. But, yeah, they're pretty obvious. In the painting.
0: So what in the verse... Allows us to tie the verse to that image in that city. Where's the connection? There's nothing else in that verse that ties it specifically to Saint Augustine.
1: Yeah, and that's that's true. But I mean, I, no, not really. I, I don't even really think the first chapter would tie the the painting to uh, the verse. I think the painting ties itself to Florida pretty well. So you know that you're you're looking for something in Florida. And the first chapter ties the verse to the Fountain of Youth in a pretty concrete way. I, I don't think you can get around.
0: Well, I guess once again, the other pages of the book, the story helps you along here. There's nothing specific to really link you to St. Augustine, although there is some specific links to the Fountain of Youth. If you didn't know the Fountain of Youth was there, or you may know the Fountain of Youth is there, but you don't know it says the first chapter anywhere on the outside of it, or the map resembles the shape of the park, or any of that stuff. But if you read the story, you would remember that he calls out the Fountain of Youth in the book, Ironically enough, in the first chapter, it's kind of clever.
1: And if you would take that and the uh, conquistador on top of the horse, I think logically you would conclude it's going to be St. Augustine. St. Augustine is obviously the first chapter in our history. The first chapter would tie into that that way.
0: The fun really starts, though, when you get to the Fountain of Youth Park. And let's talk a little bit about the park right now. What was it like in the 80s? Was it a public area or considered a common space what i'm getting at is was it private property when bp buried the cast there or was it considered a more common space i mean were kids sneaking in there at night doing a little smoochy boochie or you know what was going on
1: so it was a little of both it was definitely a private place it was still somewhere you had to pay to get into but security was a lot more lax back then there were actual like big huge holes in the wall i don't think the gates were ever locked uh when i was a kid i lived on Volano beach which was you know two or three miles away from the Fountain of Youth. And at night, we would ride our bikes to the Fountain of Youth, ride right through the holes in the walls and ride around the park. Getting into the park at night, just, I mean, if you were a tourist, you could just wander into the park kind of accidentally, not knowing that you're not supposed to be there. Yeah, it was private property, but, you know, security was lax, and back then there weren't many problems. So they didn't, I guess, going out on a limb saying they didn't really mind anybody being in the park after dark, but you know, we never
0: had any trouble. Right. It was a different uh, different kind of time back then. Yeah, it, was a, it was definitely a different time. Yeah. And if you were, I mean, there weren't big signs up around the thing that said private property, stay out. I mean, it, you could, like you said, wander into it and not even know you had wandered into it. Just to clear things up about whether he would have put it on private property, let's take it in a situational sense. I, it didn't seem to be that it was any kind of private property at the time.
1: I think something else you have to keep in mind is St. Augustine in general in the 80s wasn't, it was definitely a tourist town, but it didn't consider itself a tourist town. It considered itself a small town. The residents, we all knew each other. We all kind of trusted each other. Things like the fort or, you know, the lighthouse or the Fountain of Youth, those things just weren't locked. You were sort of aware as residents that you could just wander around if you wanted to. Uh, the fort now to an extent still isn't locked you can walk around the outside but you know at times when i was a kid you could walk inside the fort you could you know do whatever you wanted to that's just the way it was in st augustine in the
0: 80s. so a different time a different place uh as you've mentioned before everything in st augustine looks old but it's all new what kind of research have you done and where did you go to do it to get a better picture of what to look for uh, where people can go in our 10 remaining cities to find out more about local history circa 1981, since things have changed not only in St. Augustine, but in a lot of other cities as well.
1: So I was lucky growing up here. I mean, when you're a kid, you you pay more attention to stuff than you do as an adult. You pay more attention to details. You know, you're playing games, so you remember the stuff you're playing games around. Having said that, there's a lot of stuff that I don't remember. Um, I became really good friends, with our Historical Society. That, to me, is the best place to go in St. Augustine for any kind of information. The Historical Society in St. Augustine is a two-story building, chock-full of pictures and videos, old film reels and old newspapers. Anything you want to know about St. Augustine from the 1700s to now, you can find at the Historical Society. Except, they're a little vacant when it comes to the fountain of youth in the 1980s that file is actually of course they are (laughs) it's kind of small i i I don't understand the 1980s is every historical society that i've been to for every one of these cities the the 1980s are just there's just nothing there like it's like we forgot to take pictures of crap in the 80s
0: we were all riding around in irock z's that's That's why okay For those who have never been to the Fountain of Youth Park, can you just, before we get going, can you just describe for us what it's like, what kind of stuff goes on there? Because I was sort of blown away when you told me about all the cool stuff that there is to actually see in the park and the things that are going on in there. So let's just take a moment and touch on that because if you are going to come and look for this particular treasure, this particular cask, you may want to spend a day at the park and check out all the cool stuff there is to do. It's not just somewhere where you walk around and look at things on the wall. There's all kinds of activities and stuff going on. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about some of that stuff? When you walk into the Fountain
1: of Youth, as soon as you walk through the gates, there's this guy and he gives you a map. He's there to answer any questions. He'll give you a little bit of history about the park if he's not too busy. Uh, you walk through there. The first thing you see is there's two buildings right next to each other. One of them is the actual Fountain of Youth or, you know, they say is the Fountain of Youth. Um it has it has a, a display for the silver salt cellar or, you know, what they at one time called the the silver salt cask with a giant cross in the ground where they actually dug the thing up. You know, what's on display is a replica. And you don't get to actually see the real thing. You can drink water from the Fountain of Youth, which is much cleaner and tastes better than it did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was like sulfur water. It was horrible. You, you couldn't drink it once you leave there there's a planetarium which you go in and the show kind of gives you an idea what it was like to be on like postillion ship you know in the middle of the night traveling to st augustine or traveling to florida at least when you leave that there's what they call the the 4d world laser globe show or it's it's got this crazy name but essentially do they have laser logins there Laser kenny logins no what it is is this, is this globe i don't remember what year but it was a world's fair exhibit that was moved to the fountain of youth and it's this huge globe i want to say it's uh one and a half to two stories tall and it sort of revolves and inside of it are these laser pointers that point out different things and it tracks the course that ponce de leon and menendez and different explorers took coming to florida and coming to different parts of america that's pretty cool you leave that, and there's sort of like a, a little Indian village. It's a, it's, it's a recreation of the Soloy village where there's a man dressed up like an Indian. And I say dressed up like an Indian. He's he's, he's an actual descendant of one of the, the tribes. He is an actual Indian. And we'll give you some of the history of his tribe and give you some of the history of Soloy. He teaches you how to use like uh, Indian weapons. Like They have this weird—you think that it could be a bow and arrow and spears, but it's not. It's this— Sort of like this long four-foot arrow that they put on a stick, and then they use the stick to throw the arrow. It's crazy. It's crazy to see, and he's super accurate with it. I would not want to meet that man in the middle of the woods with his stick arrow. It's nuts. At one point, they were—and I'm not sure if they finished it or not—they were recreating a boat, like a period replica boat. There was a little workshop where dudes were, were creating that. There's a blacksmith who makes nails. He makes nails and hooks all day. They won't let him make knives. Or they won't let him make weapons and all, so he makes letter openers, which is super awesome. Uh, you can buy all that stuff in the gift shop. The blacksmiths there, like if you go to the foundry, of the blacksmiths there are the nicest people. Like, they're super interesting. They teach you kind of about the history of, of their art and, you know, why they're still doing it and why they enjoy it. Past that, there's a replica watchtower, um, Spanish used to sort of watch over the land. Um, it's, a, it's a really new replica. It's, only, it's been built in the last few years. It, it wasn't there when I was a kid. They do cannon firings there, so they'll show you what it's like to be behind the cannon when it fires. I think they use like one-tenth of the charge of an actual cannon. It's super loud. It's crazy. I can't imagine what it's like to hear like an actual cannon with a full load fire. Guys that work there are members of—there's a group of people in St. Augustine who are reenactors. They reenact things from the past, and they all work at the fort or, you know, the lighthouse or downtown or the Fountain of Youth they are a wealth of knowledge about st augustine in the 1700s so if you need to know something about the 1700s but but they're also they're all about in their like 50s and 60s so they're pretty good with the 80s too but when the details as it relates to this hunt like was there a green picket fence over there they might not know that um (laughs) so you leave there and there's a there's another guy who's a member of the same society as the, he's, he, the the reenactor society, and he teaches you about, like, handheld firearms and rifles from around that time.
0: That's cool. It sounds like a
1: full day. I mean, it's—I wouldn't say it's a full day, but it's a good, you know, three or four hours. My kid's favorite thing is the peacocks. The Peacocks roam the entire place, and you pay 50 cents, and you can get, like, a handful of peanuts. Or if you're a local, you go to the gas station beforehand, and you get a big jar of peanuts. And you can feed the peanuts to the peacocks. They'll just walk up to you and eat out of your hand. It's the coolest thing. Pigeons will fly down and eat out of your hand. Seagulls, don't feed the seagulls. They're dangerous. Squirrels will climb up your arm and eat out of your hand. It's it's super cool. It's it's a great place to just like bring your family and hang out for a few hours.
0: And get attacked by squirrels. Yeah, you get attacked by squirrels and pigeons.
1: <laughs> in relation to the other things in St. Augustine, it's a relatively cheap way to spend a few.
0: So you might consider going and taking the uh, the entire tour of the place while it's open and stop by and talk to John or drop off your solution at the ticket office, as he said in the letter there. Now, let's get down to business. Right. We know that we're supposed to be in St. Augustine. We have a verse. Can you take us through some of your old solves? And the reason we're going to do this, because I said we weren't going to give out solutions on the podcast and we weren't going to... Uh, talk about solutions or give out places to dig, that we were just going to discuss the puzzle. But on this one, we're going to talk about some of George's old uh, failed solutions to give you an example of how you can interpret the puzzle and develop your own kind of solutions based on, hopefully, the things you might glean from how George came up with his. So I'm going to grill him about his solutions, which I won't grill him too hard because we know they're wrong. So Hopefully this will give those key searchers out there a chance to figure out how to do the puzzle and how to look at certain verse lines or certain images. So why don't we start? We could start with the uh, over the holiday weekend, you mentioned you had a GPR expedition out to the Fountain of Youth. Uh, Were you checking your own solution there or were you checking someone else's?
1: Yeah, I was checking an an old solution, probably one of the first ones that I had. I just kind of wanted to double check everything that I had done there and obviously didn't find anything. It was uh, the corner of Myrtle and Magnolia. It's a place, there's a couple of cannons there. It's been really dug to death, but I figured with a GPR, we could just, you know, sort of exit off the the list
0: completely. And then how did you get to Myrtle and Magnolia from just St. Augustine? So you're in St. Augustine, and obviously you're a local, so you knew some things about... being tied to the Fountain of Youth, such as the big pirate ship that's found in one of the other pages and, of course, the first chapter. But why don't you take us through kind of step by step how you got to that area and what you were thinking about in digging in that area?
1: All right. So when I first started this, uh, like I think I've said before on the podcast, I kind of came in to other people's ideas, right? So a lot of this, a lot of the parts of the verse were already pretty well solved. Uh, in one way or another, uh, I knew the first chapter, obviously related to the Fountain of Youth, because, you know, that's an odd phrase for a place, right? And that those words are plastered everywhere at the Fountain of Youth. It's almost their motto, right? It's it before you walk into the gate, you see the first chapter, our U.S. history. Before you walk through the ticket office, you see it. it it's seriously everywhere. So I knew the Fountain of Youth was at least the start, Right. What I didn't think was I didn't think he would put it in a place that you had to pay to get into. And back then, everybody was sort of thinking it was in the park proper, you know, like in the place you actually had to pay to get to. And I didn't think he would put it there just because, I don't know, I didn't know I was overthinking things like maybe he doesn't know you can just walk in. I didn't think he would put it in there. I figured he would put it somewhere near the Fountain of Youth. I laid out the verse in a way where you could follow the entire verse without actually going into the park as long as you knew what was in the park, right? So that was my thinking.
0: So basically you're saying that if you go in to take the tour of the park during the day and see where everything is, walk around all day and get your placement, then when you go back at night when it's closed, you can go along Magnolia Avenue and find all the things that you knew were in the park after you had been in there to take the tour or see it for yourself. Right,
1: and it sort of makes sense. Like, I figured a good half of the verse was just, this is where you dig. And the rest of it was markers for things you need to pass along the way, right? So you start out first chapter written in water. You're at the entrance. You see the words, the first chapter. You get to near men with wind rose. It says near, not next to. You're not there at it, but you're close. So if you just walk down Magnolia, the first thing you're going to pass is the planetarium. You know that's where the windrows are. Behind bending branches and a green picket fence at the base of a tall tree, I figured that was a dig spot, right? That's, that doesn't really relate to your path. That's where you need to go dig. You can still hear the honking, but you can't see the honking, so maybe it's behind the wall.
0: The honking you're referring to, there's a duck pond uh, right. in, the, in the park there.
1: Right. Shell, limestone, silver, and salt... I equate it to the wall. I just kind of ignored the silver salt part. Stars move by day, sails pass by night was still the planetarium. Like, it's, it's telling you, okay, you didn't get the wind rose part? Maybe you'll get the stars move by day, sails pass by night. Even in darkness, went along with the planetarium. Like moonlight and teardrops over the tall grass, years pass, rain falls, I thought was a final location. In the 80s, our telephone poles were marked in a weird way in St. Augustine. Each of them were inspected every couple of years so if you walked up to a telephone pole you would see these little metal tags that looked like they were like the shape of footballs but they were you know maybe an inch wide and they all said a year whatever year they were inspected like 1972 pass you know 1984 pass you know if you saw one that was about to be demolished i assume i would never actually seen one that would say like 1986 fail and they never removed these things so they were just a crap load of these little metal footballs with a year and the word PEPFIS on them nailed to telephone poles. And our streetlights back then literally looked like teardrops. They were teardrop shapes. So I figured you need to be at this post with these little metal plates that say a year and pass. You need to be directly underneath this teardrop-shaped streetlight. Now you need to find something for rainfalls. Well, at the corner of Magnolia and Myrtle, there is a giant telephone pole that I assume, you know, had those metal plates at one time, that had the teardrop shapes, light, and if you look directly to the right of it, there's a storm drain. I figured if you line all of those things up, which isn't hard because they're all in like a two-foot area, right, you know, next to the sidewalk, that if you just go in the center of those, dig down, that's where the cask would be. So I got my shovel and I dug down and I found a, you know, a, a cable, a rock. I found a bone once. There was nothing there. Now, I want to say, because we don't say this enough, the corner of Myrtle and Magnolia, there is a house. Uh, It's 21. I believe it's Myrtle, which relates to the 21 in the painting. I figured that 21's there to let you know you're standing in front of 20, 21 Myrtle. Um, That house was vacant when I dug it was it's owned by a a very nice lady who is trying to restore the house and and sell it she gave me permission to dig there I don't know exactly where her property ends and where it begins so I also got permission from the city we got permission from the city they were fine with that because they had just you know installed a new water main and all of these fire hydrants so they didn't care where I dug the lady didn't care where I dug so we dug, and there was nothing there. And in fact, we've dug that spot to death and ran over a GPR with it, and there's nothing
0: there. What you did there is you basically took the literal interpretation of the verse, but you kind of applied it to clever things that you found on the ground. The first chapter written in water, that, of course, was something that you you remembered from a map from a long time ago. And it's, the first chapter words were written kind of everywhere.
1: I seem to remember... But I don't want to say with 100% certainty, but I seem to remember, like 90% sure, that when you walk to the ticket office at the Fountain of Youth, it's like a circular office. And now there are a bunch of pictures of people recreating, you know, the times when the Spanish landed. But I seem to remember when I was a kid, there was a mural painted on the wall, directly to your left of the Florida coastline, sort of like a map, and written... In the Gulf of Mexico were the words the first chapter of U.S. history. And I took that to be literally the first chapter written
0: in water. This is an example of some things that you'll find in other cities as well, that you'll read a verse line and it'll sort of make sense. But then when you're standing in front of the thing it's calling out, it really makes a lot of sense. It's, it's like no mistaking that that's what it was meant to be. We'll go to the next line, near men. That could refer to the men's room, which has changed positions once or twice or something.
1: I'm not exactly sure how many times, but I think it definitely has changed positions.
0: It could mean the men's room. It could mean that at one point there was a kind of a mural of some men standing around near the planetarium. So he's using the verse lines to talk about things that are inside the park, and that's how you relate to them to it. You can't really see these things, unless you've been in the park or have some detailed description of the park.
1: Right underneath the windrows, there's a model, like a a half cutout of a ship. So it shows you like one half of the ship. It's a cutaway. And there's little tiny sailors in there. And that's directly under the windrows. So there's three different ways you can interpret that part of the verse. Like, thanks for for the specifics, Byron. Three ways in, you know, a 50-foot
0: radius. And some tall grass. Yes. Yeah. And then we get to, and a green picket fence which there were green picket fences kind of all over the park at one time. Not everywhere. Do you know which ones were in 81 green and a picket fence and which ones have been changed? I mean, these are the kind of things you need to go to John Frazier about, really. Yeah, because
1: it seemed to me like those picket fences changed daily. It's like they were creating new paths through the park or they were blocking off new sections. I, I can remember... Gobs and gobs of green picket fences that were there one day and then seemingly weren't there the next. The other problem for people in St. Augustine is we're a historical city. And back then, I'm not so sure about now, but in the historical sections of town, you could only paint the outside of your house and your fence in historical colors. There were very specific colors that you could paint your property. One of those was green. So in St. Augustine, there were a lot of green picket fences. Like, they were a dime a dozen.
0: And that's another thing. We don't know if that's just a way of him calling out uh, a part of the town. So, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can interpret it. I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm just giving you examples of how you can look at these verse lines and pick them apart and do something with them. I mean, we pretty much covered a lot of these lines. Shell, limestone, silver, and salt refers to a sign that you find. There's actually two signs.
1: Yeah, there's the silver salt cask, and those words are in there, you know, exactly, you know, one right after the other. There's the shell limestone, which refers to the wall being built that's on its own little sign. And really close to it is the silver salt Cask sign.
0: And then the stars move by day is a reference to the planetarium, as is the sails pass by night. And if you go there or go on YouTube and see the show, you'll know what that is. And even in darkness, like moonlight and teardrops, I have no clue what that is. Some people say it's the way that the uh, moonlight hits Magnolia Avenue with all the moss on the live oaks. Some people say that it's looking through a fountain. There's all kinds of different ways that people interpret that. So you're free to interpret it how you like, as deep as you want to get into the puzzle. Over the tall grass and years pass, rainfalls, all that stuff. It's all open to interpretation of some sort.
1: Fun fact for people who think moonlight and teardrops is the planetarium. Planetarium's no longer silver. They painted it
0: white. Okay, so there you go. And things change. You got to remember that. Yeah. Let's take a look at what is in this image and what we can pick out. Do you think we have an alligator in the image there at the bottom? No.
1: (laughs) No, I do not think we have an alligator in the image. Look, my problem with a lot of people who are trying to solve these is they forget that all of the clues that you needed to solve Chicago and then you needed to solve Cleveland and all of the really, really well accepted clues we have for all the other cities are super obvious. Like They are exactly what they are meant to be. There's no sort of hidden shadow that sort of looks like Lincoln anywhere. There's no green area that kind of looks like an alligator. Something either is what it is or it isn't. It just flat out is or isn't.
0: How these clues work, again, that's all up to you. That's up to your own interpretation and puzzle-solving abilities. Have fun with it. But let's just point out some of the things that we think are in this image here.
1: Nobody's really wrong, because nobody's dug up a cask, right? So anybody's idea is just as valid as someone else's. But it bears mentioning that so far, all of the clues that have been able to be verified are very, very obvious.
0: So far, no one has needed a microscope or any kind of uh, X-ray glasses. Although I do remember they sold X-ray glasses back in the 80s. I always wanted to get a pair. But you don't need any X-ray vision or anything... Uh, Photoshop tools to extract the clues from these images. Let's start with the obvious things. There's a gem right in the middle of the rock. And that gem we know to be one that BP gave to Brian Zinn, correct?
1: When Brian and Andy solved Cleveland, they met with Byron Price, and Byron Price gave them the jewel that they were supposed to have. But he accidentally gave them the sapphire, which is the St. Augustine. Jim. Anybody who's following St. Augustine and wants the sapphire, you're going to get the aquamarine. Having said that, the aquamarine is his birthstone, so he said if anybody finds it, he'll trade.
0: There you go. You can trade Brian for the aquamarine, his sapphire, which George is currently after. <laughs> All right, other things that we see inside this image. It's been pointed out that there's a big map of Florida in the, I guess, the light space to the right side of the rock there. And uh, you can kind of see that, that curvature and that shape going towards the bottom there.
1: Yeah, the panhandle kind of curves around the, the head of the rock. So if you were to kind of take it and, and extend it back out, it would be a pretty good match for the outline of Florida.
0: He's giving you the outline of Florida there. And now we have this strange rock in this palm tree here in the bottom right. This is one of the things that I was talking about earlier on in the intro. There may be cause to think that at the base of a tall tree is, he's calling something out in the image because he does that in others and he's done that in the past where he'll reference something in the image. We don't know. So there's, that should be mentioned. But we have this rock and this tall tree here, or this tree, the only tree. The other things are flowers. Many people have matched that rock and that tree up to something near the obelisk. People have said it's all kinds of things. What's your take on those things? Have you seen something like that? Is the tree a vampire? The tree a vampire. Why does
1: everybody... So let's talk about a place that's not the Fountain of Youth for a second. Let's talk about an abandoned, what was going to be a zoo, but never really came to be anything that the locals always called the Old Fountain of Youth. Now, the Old Fountain... Is this the alligator farm? This is not the alligator farm. It's not an alligator? There's no alligators there that I know of yet. The Old Fountain of Youth is on Highway 16 in St. Augustine. It is what looks like just a giant wall, almost like uh, the wall at the Fountain of Youth on Magnolia Avenue. It has big columns and cannons around it. It has this old decrepit ticket booth, which in the 80s, it looked fairly new. It looked like it was in use, but it wasn't. It was just a vacant property. Directly in front of that ticket booth is a huge rock, which looks strikingly like the rock in the image with a little bit of erosion. Like these kind of rocks, the coquina rocks, rain comes down on it and, you know, the edges sort of wear out, but it looks strikingly like that. And then behind that rock... I don't know, maybe 20 feet, is a palm tree which looks nothing like any of the palm trees in Florida. The palm tree in the painting is not like the palm trees we have in Florida. The palm tree at the old Fountain of Youth looks just like the palm tree in the painting. Now, the rock is sitting right in front of a big irrigation ditch that fills up with water when it rains. It just doesn't drain anywhere. So, that's a pretty good explanation for... A rock sitting in front of an irrigation ditch would cast a shadow in the water, but the palm tree that's 20, 25 feet away from it would not.
0: All right, that's an interesting take on on the old Fountain of Youth. So you'll have to, you key searchers will have to go out and research that one and and check it out because there is. I've looked at it and it's pretty interesting, isn't there? A pond there? You said you saw a pond. There is a pond. You need permission to
1: go into this place. You you really can't just walk in, and it's for sale. You can call the realtor, and the realtor will give you permission to go in. If you walk into this place, there's a giant pond in the center of it. And that pond is surrounded by what at one point in time was a green picket fence, I assume. Um, It's sort of decayed now, and there's very little paint on it. The wood's all rotted, but you can... it, It kind of looks like there were specks of green paint on it. And there was a big wood sign... Sort of like on posts, like you would walk under, that said, Bending Branches
0: Pond. That was there. That is now in my house. Bending Branches Pond. Bending Branches Pond. You know why there's no paint on the fence anymore? Is because it's an alligator pond. And the alligators it's... chewed it off. I'd be careful going around that place.
1: That got into my head for a while, and I thought maybe it was there. So we ran a GPR all over that property, and there is nothing there. We found some pennies found some tokens and a key. Oh, a key. But not the right kind of key. It was a brass key.
0: Let's go over a few of these other things. You, you can research that area if you want to. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it is a really cool place. Is the flower that we see on here, is this a daisy? Is that what that is? It's an aster. It's an aster. The flower is an aster. That's what they say. Okay, it looks like a daisy, but we'll call it an aster. We're going to call it an aster. So there's nine of these asters, just like we took the coordinates and applied them to a longitude and latitude to find a city, perhaps these nine give us an indication as to what verse to use. Now, the verses aren't numbered in any way, but obviously you can count one, two, three, four, five, and so on. Verse nine is the verse that typically matches up with this image. It's for you to decide if that's one of the ways that he was giving you a clue to find out how to match up the verse, since there's nothing specific in there that goes with St. Augustine. These are all just little tips and tricks for you people out there who are just getting going on this. As we said, it's the birthday episode, so this is kind of our gift to uh, break these things down for you and give you a chance to formulate your own ways of starting to solve these. We're trying to give you a little bit of a head start here.
1: The easiest way to equate this with St. Augustine is if you just look underneath the flowers, the word Saint Augustine is spelled out in the stalks of the flowers. It's not clear as day. You, you kind of have to write it, but it, no,
0: it's not clear as day. It says Saint Augustine. I'm sorry, some people. Mister think... Simple here. Wait till you go, wait till you approach this one. No, go for it.
1: No, no, no. Some people think it's not there. It's pretty clear to me. I'll post some pictures up on the Facebook page so you can see what I'm talking. About
0: we will definitely post some pictures. And we welcome any kind of feedback from any of you. We've been touching on a few of the online questions that we got from Facebook. Brandon Young asked if there's any clues regarding the multicolored flag that the Conquistador has. And I'll say this. One of our team members, Matt Sparks, Malted Falcon Online, has come up with a solution for not the colors of the flag, but he claims that the shape of the flag uh, resembles the river Starting from the fort down.
1: He's talking about oh, the Matanzas River, not the St. John's River, so there's a there's a big difference there. So yeah, and it, it kinda it does resemble the path of the Matanzas River.
0: Okay, so that's for Brandon. Do you have any clues about the coloring? Does the coloring seem to mean anything to you?
1: No, the coloring in the painting in general doesn't really mean a whole lot to me. They're not colors you would associate with the Spanish particularly or anything. They're
0: not the colors
1: of anything I remember from my childhood.
0: There was one guy, Johnny Windex. Where did he get these names from?
1: It's his real name, man. Don't make fun of his name. It's his. No, is that for real? That's his real name. It's on Facebook. It's got to be. He is born of Mr. and Mrs. Windex.
0: It says GW mentioned something about a map lining up almost perfectly. Did anything ever come from that? Do you know what he's talking about there? Yes.
1: The black thing that looks like a cannon, right, and the nose or whatever of the painting is a very, very odd shape. And it matches up to a little place on William Street. William Street is the road that leads you from San Marco Avenue, which is the main, you know, tourist road through town, directly to the Fountain of Youth. If you've ever seen the signs with the huge arch that says Fountain of Youth, two blocks this way, that is William Street.
0: Wait, hey, we're gonna post a picture of me standing right on William Street. There's a giant billboard. Yeah, another Johnny Windex question. He wanted to know about the Billboard that had the back of a pirate ship on it, where can it be seen in the painting? Which I'll let you get to that after you touch on the map thing.
1: William Street kind of makes a Y, right? And directly in the center of the Y is that billboard. That Y shape in the 80s, before a sidewalk was put in, made a shape strikingly similar to that odd black shape in the painting. Even as far as one side of the road is curved while the other one is straight, and the straight section kind of has a little bit of curve at the end doesn't come to an exact point it makes it kind of squares itself off it's really really similar is it super exact no Uh, is it close enough for me to say that's interesting yes it also kind of resembles the area of the water wheel that's at william street they have sort of the same shape but it resembles the y section at william street a little bit better
0: Yeah, that's an interesting area to look at if you're in town. There's several things to see there which make an image match. And the ship that you're talking about was actually earlier on in the story, right? Yeah. In the first part of the book, there's all those black and white paintings,
1: right? The black and white drawings. And in one of those black and white drawings, you see just the back end of a ship. And that back of the ship, I seem to remember rather vividly being in an advertisement for the Fountain of Youth. I want to say it was on the huge billboard at William Street, but it also just as well could have been in, like, a tourist map or a book. But I vividly remember Ponce de Leon, standing on a huge rock with the back of a ship behind him sort of going off the edge of that advertiser. Um, It matched really well. There is also, if you go into the Fountain of Youth, in the fountain section where you drink the water, there's a giant fireplace. And there's, you know, tools like pokers and brushes for the fireplace. They are hanging on a hanger with the shape of the back end of that ship.
0: All right. So there you go, Johnny Windex. Not
1: exact, but it's pretty
0: close. And then also you'll find several places where they have little statues of conquistadors dressed in uh, similar outfits with the poofy pants and the codpiece. The funny stuff they used to wear back in the day when they were riding their horses into St. Augustine. The last thing that I guess we should touch on is in the middle of the flag there is this purple circle with four points on it. A lot of people want to say that that's a representation of the fort. Uh, Some people say that the purple circle is just a little too flat and uh, the color is a little, it it pops out too much. What are your thoughts on what that circle is?
1: I agree with both of those things. I agree that that Purple circle does not belong in the painting. So one thing we learned from Expedition Unknown, it was probably the most important thing that we learned from Expedition Unknown, was in the Montreal painting, the book version, right next to what people call the leg eater, is a weird black boxy shape, the blob. No one could ever figure out what that was until Expedition Unknown came out and we got like a 4K view of the actual painting and realized that blob's not there. Right, it's actually a fertilise. The current theory is that fertilise was covered up because of two reasons. Number one, it was too obvious of a clue, and number two, it would be confusing. It would confuse people into thinking that the Montreal painting went with New Orleans, which the fertilise is. fruit
0: at New Orleans.
1: That's right. What I think about the purple circle is it was covering up a clue that was both obvious and misleading that square is not an actual square those little triangles they go in a bit and they really do make the shape of the fort perfectly i feel like after the painting was made but before the book was published somebody put a little purple circle on there just like they put the blob on the montreal painting to both not make it obvious that it was in saint augustine and to keep people from digging
0: at the fort BP didn't have Microsoft Word or, you know, desktop publisher or anything like that. This was an age of you had to be sure things were what they needed to be before they went to press. And if you had to make a last minute change, I mean, these are the kind of indicative things we see of people making last minute changes at that stage of going to press. They might have been pushed up against a deadline. Who knows?
1: Right. It's too perfectly circular to be painted. There is nothing else that perfectly circular in any of these paintings. That's there for a reason, and I really feel like it's to cover up a a giant picture of the fort.
0: I think it's the top of the planetarium. JJP drew it from Google Maps, and you can interpret it. If you pull it out in Photoshop and take a 295 filter, and you'll be able to see... But you'll have to look at it with a microscope real close.
1: And you got to convert it to black and white first, and then
0: posterize it. Yes, and convert it to Betamax.
1: I think that's a valid theory, sort of, kind of, because, the planetarium at least, because... In St. Augustine, everywhere you go, you get a tourist map, and really what it is a bunch of advertisements for things to do and coupons for places to go. They always have a map of the Fountain of Youth, and the planetarium is a pretty, you know, big draw there, or at least was. They're going to have a top-down view of the park, and it could be a representation of the top-down view of the planetarium, except that the planetarium is not shaped like that. The dome does not have a giant square on it. Like, the planetarium's not... It's square, but it has other parts to it. You know, it's not just a perfectly square pl- building with a big dome on the top.
0: We're free to disagree. No, I I don't know what it is. I was just making making a funny. There you go, folks. Those are all of the clues and all of the verse clues. We could debate this down the rabbit hole more, but that's the fun for you guys to have at home. George and I are happy to answer any questions. But George would probably be a better person to ask about St. Augustine than me. Feel free to ask any questions about anything you've heard. Try to take away from uh, George's mistakes something that you could use to create your own solution or solve or just interpret the puzzle in a better way.
1: For the record, I never make mistakes.
0: Well, there you have it. That's all for our special birthday edition, and good thoughts go out to Byron Price, wherever he may be, probably looking down on all of us and laughing. And I don't mean just snickering, I mean that whole-hearted belly laugh. Just guffawing all over, watching us scramble around looking for these boxes he put in the ground almost 40 years ago. Well, we're all mad down here. Or just addicted to the puzzle. Trying to run around Boston and Milwaukee and New Orleans. Climbing the hills of San Francisco but looking for giants in New York. In St. Augustine we've been trying but we're still walking Spanish down the hall. We bulldozed a zoo in Houston. We overload Google Maps looking at Montreal. We were first in flight, but still looking for things that you can only see while standing on the outer banks. We're searching Charleston for that diamond in the rough. We still visit Chicago for pizza and sausage and to try and figure out just exactly where that hole was at. And Cleveland, we know, was a belated gift not only to Brian and Andy, who get to keep an incredible story, but the knowledge they shared benefited all of us going forward. So we will keep doing all of this for you, Byron, to keep you entertained until all of these are found, and that's our birthday gift to you. Please join us next month for another edition of The Secret Podcast, and you can interact with us on our Facebook page. Just search for Shh The Secret Podcast. George or myself are around to answer questions, and we will also post photos there pertaining to each episode. For George Ward, I'm J.M. You take care now. Tune in next time for another edition of Shh!
1: For secret podcast with your hosts, J.M. and Bernstein, available on iTunes.